Well, if you work your way back to your seat, this was just the greeting time, all right? This is not the potluck fellowship time. can do that afterwards. Just invite me. Well, we have uh, the, the pleasure this morning of having a special guest with us, and um, this is, this is uh, Dr. Andrew Mbuvi who uh, is the Associate Professor of Biblical Studies and Hermeneutics at Shaw University. And uh, uh, if, if that's, yeah, you can clap for him, that's all right. So, yeah, yeah. His, his wife is also a biblical uh, scholar at, at Guilford College, so, uh, so this is pretty neat for us. But uh, what's really cool for me, especially, is because uh, Andrew lives four doors up from me. And so uh, we've had the opportunity to connect and see each other in the neighborhood long before I knew he was such a prestigious uh, scholar. And uh, I was thinking before, I was a pastor, so I was prestigious. But then I met him, and my rank lowered significantly. So... So we have the pleasure of having him here. And I, I talked to him one day, and I, I said, you know, um, in the Christian context, uh, we often don't understand the Jewish roots of Easter and what was going on the week leading up to Easter. And uh, how did Easter even come about, becoming such a, a big Christian holiday? And so I, we talked one day, and, I, and we just walked through some questions. And I said, well, if you were asked these things, well, what would you say? What would you teach us, and how would you talk to us? Um, if you don't know... Um, uh, Dr. Mbavi, he's actually he's a Messianic Jew, uh, which means uh, he, th- he is of a, a Jewish background. And so there's much knowledge that he has to share with us, but he also believes in Jesus Christ uh, as well as you and I. And so uh, there, there's such a, such a good connection with what he can share this morning and, and what we believe. So welcome. I'm glad you're here this morning. So Thank you. So, yeah. Um, well... One thing I didn't do was I didn't ask Tom how to dress. And I thought, <laughs> I'm better off overdressed than no, underdressed. You look, you look Maybe people will perfect. take me more seriously that way. You look perfect. Uh, so, yeah. look sharp. <laughs> oh, it's, it's good. So, let, let's jump right into it. We have a few questions I wanted to, to ask him this morning and let him kind of share and, and, and talk with you. And the first question is, do you mind just sharing with us? Everybody may not know here, but what really is the key difference or differences in the Jewish faith and in the Christian faith? You can actually distinguish probably, I, I could distinguish probably about three things that you could classify as significant. Um, there might be other uh, major differences. Um, and these are, you can classify the practice, uh, the practice of worship, um, and I'll elaborate a little bit on that one. And there's also the belief, what we believe in, and also the, the, the text, uh, the kind of text we have, that is the Bible we have versus the Jewish uh, scriptures. Um, in terms of practice, um, here I have the primary sense of a, a Jewish person, a person born within the Jewish tradition, is circumcised on the seventh day. Um, and circumcision is central to your identity as a Jew. So um, that is something that Christians have sort of uh, don't take as a significant aspect of their religious practice. 
So uh, it was central to the Jewish community largely because it identifies the Jewish community with the covenant of Moses, where Moses is circumcised and uh, becomes part of, as he was called of God to go and bring the children of Israel out of Israel. Uh, that circumcision becomes a mark, the mark of who it is that is a Jew from that point onwards. Um, and uh, so circumcision is central for the Jewish community. Uh, it's not as central or it's not central at all for the Christian faith. Uh, in time, in time, I think in terms of Christian faith, circumcision has sort of been replaced with baptism. But surprisingly, baptism is not a Christian practice either. It's a Jewish practice. Uh, what John was doing with baptizing people as they were becoming Christians was not something unique to John. Other people were doing the same thing. Uh, on the second level about belief, um, what the, the primary distinction between the belief, uh, the Jewish belief and the Christian belief centers on Jesus, who, who Jesus is. The Jews don't argue... Nobody argues about the historical existence of Jesus. That is, nobody doubts Jesus existed, Jesus lived, Jesus walked, Jesus talked, Jesus died. The difference is largely the question of who Jesus was and what his work signified. Uh, for the, um, the Jews who do not accept uh, the fact that Jesus is essentially the, the, the Lord's Messiah, that's where the primary distinction lies. Um, now, it's not, the concept of the Messiah was expected not just, it was expected by the whole community. But the concept of the Messiah was not something that was, so that it's not unique to Jesus. Jesus was not the only person claiming to be the Messiah in the first century. And actually, to your surprise probably, the first person called a Messiah in the Hebrew Bible is not even a Jew. It is Cyrus, who actually brings the children of Israel from exile. And he is called by Isaiah the Messiah. So the notion of the Messiah was not necessarily unique to Jesus. The concept itself is very Jewish, but the, the way Jesus fulfilled it and the way he interpreted it was very distinct to him and therefore distinct to Christian belief. And then lastly, it's the text. What we call the Old Testament, the Jewish community prefers to call the Hebrew Bible. <laughs> and there's a reason why that is the case. When, when we use the notion old, and this is the unfortunate aspect of it for most of the Christians, we tend to think that it is not relevant for us today. As a result, we don't read it, we don't apply to it. When Jesus was telling the disciples, read the scriptures, you know, in Luke chapter 24, read the scriptures, and in them you will find that they speak about me. He was not talking about the New Testament. There was no New Testament. He was referring to the Hebrew Bible, the old, what we call the Old Testament. And that's the big distinction between Jewish, Christianity, Jewish faith, the Jewish practice, and Christianity in general. 
Well, now, Easter, of course, happens uh, during, well, we call it the Holy Week or during the, the week of the Passover. Yes. And as Christians, we sometimes have a very confusing understanding of this, depending on what church you might pop in and out of. They, there might be some small aspect of that celebrated or uh, uh, maybe a program that even coincides. But a full understanding of what that means is something we, we don't always know in the Christian faith. So do, do you mind uh, just taking a little bit of time to put Put the week into context, that last week of Jesus' life. What was going on? What was he dealing with? What was happening in Jerusalem? Uh, just put it in context for us. Um, there were at least three uh, holidays or um, celebrations. Uh, well, let me call them festivals, um, where people went to Jerusalem on pilgrimage. Now, not everyone could afford to go to Jerusalem. Uh, most of the people were peasant farmers. Uh, Therefore, if you didn't have the luxury of owning a donkey or, um, you know, a wagon (laughs) to be able to transport yourself to a certain place. Remember, Jesus had to, uh, Joseph, uh, you know, we have the pictures in our minds of Joseph walking with Mary on a donkey. We we are not even sure that he actually had any donkey. Uh, Those are images that are sort of created later by artists. Uh, but the general sense of the period was that people were not necessarily very wealthy. Look at the kind of people that Jesus calls fishermen, you know, artisans, people that were not very, uh, you wouldn't call wealthy. And, and when Jesus does bring them to Jerusalem, it's probably their first time to be in Jerusalem, especially his disciples. But there were three periods of the year where people came to Jerusalem for religious celebration. And that was Yom Kippur, that is the Day of Atonement, okay, when people um, would pray, and the high priest, that was the one time in the year that the high priest would go to the temple, make a sacrifice on behalf of all the people of Israel, and a, and a sacrifice on behalf of himself. Well, first of all, himself, so that he would be pure and cleansed as he makes the sacrifice for the sake of the nation of Israel. And that one happens, happened only once a year, when that cleansing happened, and it's taken over in the book of Hebrews, in the Christian Bible, where he discusses about what Jesus having sort of taken over that as the final sacrifice, uh, and, and he himself also being the priest, which is sort of an interesting image. He's the priest, he's the sacrifice. Uh, but he does take over those elements of the priesthood and, and, and the sacrifice, and completely does it, as Hebrews says, once and for all. The second time that people got, went to Jerusalem on pilgrimage was um, for Pentecost. Now, you read Acts chapter 2, and you notice that in Acts chapter 2, there's you know, all sorts of people coming from all sorts of places who are uh, imbued with uh, uh, the ability to speak in different languages uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And we, we are given a list of where they come from. And these are Jews who had migrated to different parts of the world at this point in first century, uh, forcibly or uh, voluntarily, most of them forcibly, had been forced out of Jerusalem, or or what we call the Palestinian region, what we call Israel today, uh, to different parts um, during different migrations in 721 to Egypt, in 7 and and, and Assyria, and then in 586 BC to, um, to Babylon, and then, uh, you know, later on, uh, during the, the reign of Alexander the Great and others, uh, there were migrations to other parts of, of, the, nation, of, of, the, of, the, of the Mediterranean region. 
So Jews were scattered already by the first century in different parts of, of, the, of the then known world. And they would come back to Jerusalem for this celebration. So Pentecost was another time, which was a harvest celebra- celebration, uh, which would bring Jews together to Jerusalem and to the temple. And then the third one was Passover. And our Passover is central to the to, it's, it's central to to, to the to the, to the religious life of Israel. Uh, it connects all the way to the to the events of the Exodus. It goes back all the way to the uh, God bringing Egypt Israel out of Egypt um, uh, as a nation and as a people, and bringing them out of Egypt and bringing them to you know to, to the Promised Land. And so the the. This, the, this, the, the, the Passover week is, is probably one of the largest celebration weeks. Uh, it's a whole week of celebration, not just one day. It's a whole week of celebrations uh, that would involve entire families you know, relocating to Jerusalem for a whole week, for example, if you can afford it. Those who could not afford it, they would uh, send either money or to buy sacrifices to be sacrificed at the temple uh, or... Um, uh, to, 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 to send, uh, if, if it's animals, they could send animals, or if it's products like um, uh, farm products for sacrifices to be sent to the temple if they couldn't go. Uh, and, and this was one of the biggest weeks in, in the whole um, religious cal- calendar for Israel. And basically, it would involve the first day of the week uh, of, of the Passover. There would be a big, big meal celebration. And, and, and the families, this is the meal that would, that even today, the Jewish community still celebrates called the Seder. Uh, and this is where you would celebrate uh, the meal by remembering what God has done through, and this is where, again, the sacrifices that were made, they were made on, th- say, say Passover was Friday, the, the slaughtering of the animals was done on Thursday night. Uh, all the animals that would be used for the uh, for the sacrifice, and this used be mostly would be sheep, because again, it's a remembrance of what uh, what happened uh, with the bringing out the people of Israel uh, out of Egypt. And so, ultimately, then what would happen would be um, that celebration would would start with that meal, and then proceed on to the rest of of the week. And so, what we have Jesus celebrating actually with his disciples is that Jewish meal. It's the Seder meal which then he reinterprets from his own perspective as he sees his own ministry and his own work in light of that event as he himself becomes the sacrifice. You just shared how he lifts the cup and, looks and, and says, this is my blood. It's not just, it's the blood of the lamb that was slaughtered. So that you know, the the night before the 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 children of Israel were to get uh, to get out of Egypt, and the whole aspect of the fact that there was also blood shed of the firstborns of Israel of Egypt, as the angel of death visited the community. So it celebrates both life and death, and his own death then becomes a death that is is perceived in 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 his own. Uh, celebration of of the break, breaking down of his own body. So the whole idea of breaking down the body is a celebration of the, that death, which then obviously, in in, in terms of Jesus and the community's expectation, is to be uh, uh, overcome in three days of, uh, during the the resurrection. 
Now, I've told you many times that uh, when I was growing up, uh, possibly on Christmas, but definitely on Easter, that was about the two times a year that we rolled into church. And uh, I can remember very young that the images that I remember are a cross and Easter eggs. I mean, that was my whole correlation between uh, uh, of Easter. So that's kind of what I knew about the Christian church. Later, when I became a Christian in high school and... uh, um, I started to understand the cross and the meaning of the cross. Um, I kind of had this thought early that uh, Easter, the celebration of Easter, went all the way back to the day of Jesus. And you know, it wasn't until later I started to learn that that's not exactly the case. So can, can you share with us a little a bit of w- when did this, this Easter celebration actually come about? When, when did this trans- we, we know that, that Peter and then Paul started to share with the, the gospel with non-Jews. But how did this come apart that, that Easter became a Christian tradition. Well, with 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 um, with, with Jesus's interpretation of the Passover celebration, uh, and then the command that Paul recites in First Corinthians eleven that Jesus says, you know, when Jesus was with the disciples, he broke bread and he uh, uh, he lifted the cup and said, "This is my blood, and this is my body." And that when you celebrate, when you do this, do it often, uh, in which case I guess he was suggesting that rather than do it annually every year, but do it more often than that, um, that you should do this as, 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 a, as, a, as, a, as a means of remembering what Christ has done. And so it beca- it's, it, at that point, it's when the ownership, so to speak, of, 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 uh, of the Passover becomes a Christian sort of celebration. Now, I think the way Paul would have celebrated it, the way Peter would have celebrated it, would still have been a Jewish celebration. Uh, It becomes less and less uh, of a Christian celebration. I mean, less and less of a Jewish celebration the more and more we have Gentiles coming into the community and things become transformed into a different sort of way of looking at things. in many ways, I kind of look, I kind of, you know, I, I say, you know, like if I were a pastor like you, the way I would do, um, you know, the the communion we just did today um, would would actually not be this way. Now, I'm not criticizing anything you're doing. I'm just saying this is this is this is how I, <laughs> I right. see. Now I'm sweating. This is how no, I no, see no. it. Share with us. I see it in 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 the form of the, 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 it should be a meal. A proper meal, where, and if you look at First Corinthians, the concern that Paul had, the way people were celebrating the Lord's Supper there, people have interpreted it sort of many different ways. But I think more than anything else, he's concerned about the welfare of the community of believers. Are they caring for one another? You know, he asks a question. Some of you are getting drunk, and some of you are sitting at the corner totally hungry. And you call that the Lord's Supper? And that's a question that, you know, it needs to be central when people sit down and say, what are we doing when we are celebrating the Lord's Supper? It, it, it more than anything, should reflect what Paul calls the body of Christ. The body of Christ is you and me, the community of believers, as we gather. It's, the wafer, the wine, has no magical powers in it. <laughs> I think more than anything, the power, rely, the power of, of, of the communion is with the communion of the community. 
That's where the power of the community lies. And I think that's what Jesus meant, you know, that it, it's, it's that relationship, it's the community of faith that you're going to perceive power, the power of God through the Spirit that is going to be seen through that experience. Well, we talked a little bit about um, uh, both Christians and, and Jews. We often have stereotypes of one another, not uh, usually stem from not really having enough knowledge of who each other is. Um, often, as Christians, I've heard even joke before that uh, uh, maybe the only Jewish person you know is the, the policeman on the, uh, the New York cop show you might watch on TV. And so we develop these stereotypes oh, based yeah. on that. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. So. So yeah, we developed these, these, these ideas. Um, tell us, though, what, what would a Jewish person say about a Christian? That's a very difficult question to answer, partly because, um, I guess, different perspectives of different... People with different experiences would have different things to say. I guess history doesn't board well for Christianity, the relationship of Christianity and, 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 and Judaism. Um, all the way to, you know, the 4th century campaigns... Uh, the Spanish Inquisitions, Holocaust itself is actually the product of uh, a, a Third Reich that perceives itself from a Christian point of view to be representing a purification of society that has to do with the elimination of the Jesus killers. And that sort of makes it very difficult for the community, the Jewish community, to be able to sort of have a sense of what it means to be relating to a Christian who have understood or misunderstood the text to sort of vilify the average Jew as the killer of Jesus. And, and this is sort of stems all the way from Matthew's sort of reference, you know, like the Jews who are saying, you know, in Matthew's gospel, you know, let his, let, let his blood be upon us. But we have to remember Matthew is also a Jewish writer, and, and the disciples of Jesus were all Jews too. And uh, they were all part of that Jewish community in ways that even though there are those who are, were reckoned to have been the ones who killed Jesus that were Jews, really when you look at the text, the, the reference is really to the Jewish leaders. It's not to the individual leader, person. And so I think there's been a lot of historically a development of a misconception of the relationship between a Jewish person and a Christian person. A fast community of believers. If you look at the book of Acts, chapters 1 to chapter 6, were all Jewish. Uh, chapter 6, we start seeing issues coming up because more and more Gentiles are becoming Christians. But you know, think about John and uh, Peter going to the temple at the hour of prayer in chapter 4 of Acts. What hour of prayer is that? It's not a Christian hour of prayer. It's a Jewish hour of prayer. They still were themselves, looked at themselves as a Jewish community. In fact, the book of Acts calls the Christians the way. In, in, in essence, they were a Christian sect, I mean a Jewish sect, until that point where the, 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 there was a complete separation between Christians and Jews. Now, the central issue that became an issue in the book of uh, the Gospel of, uh, not the book, not the Gospel, but the book of Galatians was the issue of circumcision. Should the Gentiles be circumcised to become Christians? And Paul says no. Now, there's a different school of thought championed by others who are arguing that they need to be circumcised, Gentiles. Now, don't forget, most of us, or at least all of us, those who are not Jewish, are Gentiles. <laughs> and you have no claim in, that, in, in terms, and I'm not saying this in terms of you know, uh, a complete 
uh, historically, there's no claim to, to that historical uh, relationship uh, besides the fact that one is a Gentile and one is Jewish. The, the Jewish claim to the historical connection to God is there. The Gentile is really, as Paul calls it in Romans chapter 9 to 11, an ingrafting of a, into a plant that did not belong. And, 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 and I think there have different they have been have been to different have been in different churches where the relationships of the pastors the pastors have taken initiative together with the rabbis to bring their congregations together for continued conversation and i think this has really been really good now these are completely not messianic jewish communities but i'm talking about a proper jewish community and a proper christian church who have chosen to do Bible studies every month or every whatever to, to sort of have a sense of understanding one another. And I think that, especially for the religious community, there is a sense of um, respect in the sense of understanding that we, we are all claim the same God. We all are claiming the same tradition. And the question is, can we sit down and talk about where we disagree? And need it be such a disagreement that we cannot have a conversation, that we cannot respect one another, that we cannot love one another. And I think that's where the, 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 the crux of the matter lies. So you somewhat started to touch on uh, our last question this morning, but uh, what, what is it you think every Christian, all of us, should know about the Jewish faith? And uh, uh, you know, really, what, what, what value is there, even practically, in knowing this? Well, this might, be, might come as a surprise to you, Tom. Jesus was not a Christian. <laughs> now think about it think, that, think about that one statement Just for a while Jesus was not a Christian What was he? He was a Jew He practiced Judaism He died a Jew He resurrected a Jew Jesus did not ask of the Jews To change their lives did not, did not ask of them to change their traditions. Did not ask of them to, um, you know, to do anything different. All he asked that they come to an understanding that he is the Messiah they were looking for. That's all he asked of them. The Gentile, Gentiles who are not Jewish need not necessarily follow Jewish traditions. However... I think there's a benefit in understanding where these traditions are coming from. And when you can practice them in ways that are beneficial, do it that way. For example, I just, you know, the, when we just talked about the, the Lord's Supper, I really would, for me, prefer to going back to, to the way it was practiced in the first century uh, rather than the way it has evolved in the church with the wafers. And the, and the, and the, because then the sense of community has been lost, uh, which would there for for me, be a means of bringing people in. You know, imagine what it means to have somebody come in who doesn't know the Lord, who doesn't understand what it means to be a Christian, and come in and you feed them, all right? Maybe they're just walking from the street, you know, you feed them, and then you have a conversation. You don't even have to talk about the Lord. What do you think that impact is having on that person when they feel the welcome of a place where they can sit down, hang out, have a meal, talk to people that care about them and not just you know 
hammer them with the gospel. You know, that's not necessarily... Because, you know, as, 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 as um, Augustine said, I preach the gospel all the time. And sometimes I use words. It doesn't have to be words all the time. It is what we do, how we live our life. That's going to be how we reflect the faith that we have. And for me, practicing the faith has to be um, to us as much as we can, imitating what Jesus did and imitating what the disciples did as best as we can, um, knowing that we have limitations, but also knowing that if I could you know, find a Jewish friend who can invite me over for a seder on Friday, I should go humbly, willing to learn, willing to listen to what they're talking about and seeking to understand where they're coming from, and then invite them, if they can, to one service where we're having the Lord's Supper and have dinner and share what we believe in and what we understand without necessarily, you know, knocking heads. And I think that's, that for me is the most crucial aspect of, of building those relationships. And I think you have a unique situation in America where these communities, even though they are still sort of somewhat apart, there's still the possibility that people can still talk and can still relate in ways that are beneficial to one another. Well, there's probably a, a long series of other questions we could ask and, and, and talk to you about this morning and, and probably could go away much the wiser uh, for it. But uh, I want to thank you for, for coming this morning and being with us and, and, uh, and sharing with us. Uh, and, and if you heard, if you, if you picked up on that, that aspect of community, connection with uh, whether it be the Jewish community or a, a neighbor or understanding uh, that it's not a it's not a at-odds versus one another battle that's going on. The community, the friendship, the connection, the learning more about those of the Jewish faith does not mean we abandon our belief in Jesus as the Messiah either. But we are called into connection and community. And uh, I really appreciate you sharing those type of things. Um, and hospitality committee, um, be, be preparing that big meal next time I do communion. So we'll have it. Right here. We'd like you to go to the max on it. So that would be great. Would you thank Dr. Mbavi for coming, being here? Yeah. So, yeah, thank you. Well, let me... Um, let me say a word of prayer for him and his and his family, and uh, um, and then uh, we'll get together for a little neighbor dinner sometime soon here, right? <laughs> All right. Let me pray. Father, thank you for uh, this visit, Lord, for Dr. Mbavi. I just thank you that he's here and uh, that he was able to share with us today. Lord, and I don't know who here, uh, Lord, had to hear something that was said today and that there's some practical application that they say, wow, I needed to hear that, I needed to feel that, I needed to be challenged in that way. And they have the opportunity to now go away and, and now do what they were challenged to do. Um, Thank you for, for the information, Lord. And Lord, I know that there are so many other areas in our life that we now can be called to, to learn even further about this week. Lord, we pray that this Easter week would, would be the powerful one, maybe more than we've ever experienced, the fullness of what you were doing and what you accomplished. And we thank you in your son's name. Amen.